Welcome back to episode three of Hindsight, the podcast. Time sure is flying. Oh, that's right. It's only episode three. But anyways, it's been fun recording and speaking with people who have successfully transitioned from one career to the next and getting pieces of advice on what made their transition so successful. So let's keep the momentum going here in episode three. Our guest today is Frank Rios. Frank is a fellow veteran with over 20 years of military service. He's put down his rifle and has taken aim at several new targets. An accomplished photographer and owner of his newest venture, Tienos Restaurant. Hey, you know the deal. Let's get to it. How's it going? Doing really good. It's doing good. I know. I call him Rios. I got to stop that, Eric. <laughs> I know. <laughs> call him by their last name. <laughs> I know. Shoot, I still know him as First Sergeant Rios. <laughs> I'm about to go to parade rest for him right now. Oh, man. I was about to ask you, how long has it been? Good gracious. Four years. Four years ago. That's crazy. So how, how's everything? You know, um, honestly, last year... Uh, uh, 2020, considering with the whole COVID situation, it was actually a really good year, uh, both personally uh, and financially. So, um, you know, I, I give grace to God for um, for allowing me to have that kind of year, considering the whole situation with COVID, um, right. you know, it affected a lot of my friends and family. And, and you know, uh, fortunately for me, it wasn't much of an effect, with the exception of being home more often, which I wasn't used to. I really didn't think I, I would appreciate being home as much as I do, <laughs> but you know, avoiding that rush hour traffic and and just being home with the family, you know, all of those things, like I really appreciate it. Um, oh yeah, it, it made me uh, it made me uh, appreciate my home. You know, I, I, I bought a home in 2019, and uh, you know, because of COVID, it allowed me to well, forced me to. Um, to really focus on on my home structure and I did a lot of upgrades and stuff like that uh and you know it, it made me appreciate you know owning my own home and and being able to do things to it I suppose when you're renting you know you can't do this can't do that you're <laughs> paying somebody else and you know if you're late you get a late fee you know um I didn't have that you know and I was late in the game buying a home so you know uh, COVID definitely helped me uh, appreciate my surroundings, and now I'm to the point where I I don't I don't go nowhere. I mean, I might go somewhere <laughs> here and there. People might invite me over to their house, and I'm like, eh, how about you come over here? <laughs> I just like to. I just used to be home now. Where where did you get a home at? Just what city? Chula Vista. Chula Vista, okay. Oh, okay, yeah, that's where you were. You're not late in the game. Hell, I just got mine yeah. uh, house in 2000, 2018, and Eric is is uh, putting out his business right now. He's working on his right now. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, all that's good. it. Sorry, well, you know, being, being being 49, most people are already on the like second, third home. Yeah, hey, I'm I'm 50. <laughs> Say that one more time. No. I'm 50, 50. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, with COVID, there there was a lot going on, but what impacted us is just being able to change what we can change, right? Whether it be something at home or or with our families. Uh, but now looking into 2021, I think there's going to be some some pretty big changes, some life-changing events that, that take place for everybody, right? I mean, you've been cooped up in your house. But um, so going back, kind of tell us about your military experience, Rios, what you did in the military. Okay. Um, well, I, I joined in 1994, uh, September 94. And, you know, main reason why I joined was because uh, I, was, I was getting ready to have a baby. Uh, with my my first wife and and uh you know i i, I needed structure for them i needed uh guaranteed paycheck and medical that's the main reason why i joined um prior to that i really didn't have any des- desire or never really even thought about it um you know i think it was like 
June of 1994. I was walking in the Bronx on, on Fordham Road and uh, past a recruiting station. And the Navy guy was like, hey, you never thought about joining? And I was like, no. And two hours later, I was at MEPS, <laughs> freaking uh, raising my hand and swearing, not having a clue what I was doing. I just heard benefits. I heard medical. I heard housing. Other than that, everything else, I really didn't give a crap about. You know, I, I was just thinking about, you know, doing right by my by my family. So, you know, I joined in 94, went to boot camp in uh, Great Lakes. Um, and then... Uh, I was undesignated, seaman recruit, went to, uh, uh, what was that called, uh, ADT or whatever that shit is called, right after boot camp. Uh, so I got to enjoy the, uh, the Chicago winter. <laughs> Good gracious. You know, and, <laughs> and then from there, I went to New Orleans for my first ship, USS Harper's Ferry, which is a pre-con, first time in, in, uh, in New Orleans. Uh, First time really actually outside of New York City, with the exception of, you know, a family trip to uh, Puerto Rico with my family when I was younger. But uh, it was definitely an experience. Um, and then got stationed in San Diego, which I always tell people I, I, I thought I was on the on the Baywatch show when I got to San Diego. <laughs> I was like, damn, everything that I've seen on Baywatch is real. Exactly. I thought that shit was fake. <laughs> so, so it was pretty cool. I fell in love with San Diego and... You know, I, I uh, did my, uh, I was on the Harpers Ferry till 1997. I put an MA Mastodon's package in, I uh, got accepted. I flew out of uh, Oman, we were in the middle of deployment and they let me fly out to go to uh, MA school. I went to MA school in San Antonio. And then from there, you know, my second pre-comp ship, USS Baton, you know, and um, after that, you know, I. Uh, I was a master arms. Uh, and then from there, I went to, I got, I put a package in for military police investigations school and uh, got that too. So in 2000, went there. And then from there, I, I got stationed in Naval Station Everett, Washington, where I spent most of my time working with NCIS, doing um, undercover narcotic stuff. Um, and that was a lot of fun, a lot of, you know, a lot of experience. I did nine years active duty and it was, a, I had made the decision prior to hitting nine years. I think it was probably the, a year prior to my, my um, end of enlistment. And I told myself, well, you know, I would like to get out. However, I wasn't going to get out without a plan. Um, I was going to go on to my nine-year mark, and I told myself, uh, I, I'm going to have something lined up, something good lined up in order for me to get out. And if I didn't have anything lined up, then I was going to stay, and I was going to do the 20. Right. So either either I, 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 I found something, and I lined myself up in, in a good place, or I was going to continue on. And I got, I got, I got fortunate. You know, I, there was a job opening in San Diego for uh, CID. Navy CID and I applied and they came up and interviewed me and uh, it was a good deal. It was a good deal for them because I was already doing the job. So right. it wasn't like they had to train me or send me to the academy or anything like that. It was pretty much a, just a, a transition from Naval Station Everett to San Diego, California and right. continue trucking it. So, you know, when I, when I got told I had, I got the job, you know, that's when I said, you know what, I got the job. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. tell them that I'm gonna, I'm gonna end my enlistment and, and move on. And so, uh, so hold, so yeah. hold on. Let's 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 go back to to New Orleans to your first uh, ship. What do you call it? Your first what kind of ship? It was a precon. Pre, uh, it was a ship that was just built. Oh, okay. I got you. I got yeah, you. So, so what, what did so what did you do on that ship? What was your job when you first? I, came I, in? I worked at I worked. Uh, <laughs> I was what, I, what you call the glorified maintenance man. I, I worked in deck department. I, I was an undesignated boatsman mate. And we did everything from painting the ship. I mean, I tell you, we paint one half of the ship, then right. go paint the other half of the ship. Next thing you know, we got to paint the other half of the ship. So, uh, you know, and, you know, we swept, 
right. cleaned. You know, I even um, I uh, got chosen to work um, at the at the uh, captain's um, uh, mess area. Oh wow! You know, okay. so so right, yeah, right. so you know, and when up there, you know, we we gotta we gotta uh, set the tables. You know, officers. So every you know, they're all prima <laughs> donnas and shit. <laughs> They, everything's got to be fine dining for them, you know. So Thank you know, you. I was responsible for setting the tables and then bringing the plates out, you know, when the when the chef or the the mess cook um, had their plates prepared, you know, I I put it out there and served right. them water, you know, kind of like glorified waiter. Shit. So, <laughs> so was it a was it a, a welcome change, uh, you know, just coming into the military because you had no no clue that you were going to do it. Um, but you did know that it was some structure. You did know that it was going to have some benefits for your family and stuff like that. So once you actually got in and began doing the job, like, how did it fit? How did, how did you conform to it? Like, was it a struggle? Well, you know, uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, uh, I think I've always been a type of person that, you know, welcome change, you know, right. um, prior to joining the military, you know, I, um, you know, it was lifeguarding, you know, I was going to college, um, and, uh, so, so I, I was always one that, you know, I didn't mind welcoming change, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that you should always try and reinvent yourself, you know, um, every, every so often, you know, to just, to, just to make life interesting, <laughs> yeah, you know, but, uh, but no, it, it wasn't, <clears throat> It was more exciting than anything else because I was leaving. I was leaving New York City, and I was gonna be traveling because all, all you all I heard was in the Navy was that you get to travel. So being on a brand new ship, they like to um, uh, show off those ships. So we were going everywhere. Wow. So I was like, wow. I mean, this is everything that they said it was gonna be. I was traveling, right. you know, meeting people, you know. Um, and that's why when I left the Harpers Ferry and, and went to MA school, I got on another pre-comp ship. Wow. So I ended up seeing more places. <laughs> so I, I was fortunate, you know, my, my first uh, nine years, I, I mean, I, I love my time in the Navy. I, I, I would never regret it. I think it's, you know, especially if you want to travel. I mean, that, that's definitely, I, mean, I don't know about now, with how things are now, but back then, yeah, you got absolutely. on a brand new ship, you went everywhere. What's the best place you went? The most memorable. The most memorable. Let's put it like that. My yeah. my favorite place was Spain. Spain. Nice. Wow. Loved Spain. Okay. Loved it. Food, how long were you? How long were you there? We were there for twelve days. Oh, that's a good. That's a good amount of time. Yeah, we were there for twelve days. Granted, you know, brand new ship, so we had a, a full bird captain on the ship, so. He went wherever he wanted to go. Yeah. Stood as long as he wanted to stay. Right. Um, so you know, you know, we did twelve days in Spain. It was amazing. Uh, Barcelona and uh, Rota and Tarragona. I mean, the I mean, I loved it. I loved it. It was, it was a beautiful, a, a beautiful place to go. Okay. So, what would you say to somebody that's getting ready to to, you know, transition from active service? to either a federal job or going into the civilian capacity? Well, I would say if anybody is in the military to do 20 years, first of all, uh, you're not going to get the benefit that you get out of the military, especially if you take advantage of all the resources that they have with college, you know, benefits, uh, training, you know, getting qualifications. I mean, you're, you're not going to get what they offer anywhere else. So, I mean, if anybody's out there and they're thinking about getting out, really, really think about that because the military has so much to offer you. You know, early retirement, medical benefits, all, all that good stuff. But if someone is, is dead on, on, you know, moving on from the military, I would say have a plan. I mean, have a plan as to what you want to do how you're going to go about doing it and, and, and make it happen. You know, I'm a firm believer that, that 
no one can keep you from doing what you want to do with the exception of the person you look at you see in the mirror every morning that is that, that is your only obstacle there is no other obstacle out there if you want to do something and you work hard it'll happen you know so I, I tell people all the time, young folks that I talk to who, who want to do four years and be done with it, I tell them that's fine. Have a plan, have it on paper, know your resources and, and, and attack it. So that way, when you do get out, you're set. You know, you're, you're set and you're not, you're not getting out and then floating around wondering what you're going to do, what job you're going to get. I see so many young kids out there that just get out for whatever the reason may be, and they have no plan. Right. And they're working at Target, they're trying to get, you know, they don't have no medical benefits. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they end up regretting it. Right. You know, so at the very least, stay in the reserves, like what I did. Yeah, so I a lot heard of that... young people get out and, and don't have that transition plan, and, and it almost backfires on them. Mm -hmm. So using those resources, using the time, that you have the ETS or to end that enlistment uh, to get a plan in place. So like, yeah, so, so I heard a lot, a lot of those, uh, those guys and gals during my uh, military career, Frank, that gave the same advice. And I know it was, it was times, I mean, because being in the military, it's challenging, right? There, there are good times and then there are challenging times, but you know, Thankfully, I had a little bird in my ear chirping saying, hey, tough it out, you know, do 20, you know, because yeah. those benefits and, and I'm reaping that right now. The benefits and are I, amazing. And I tell you, when I first got out, when I got out of active duty, there was no transition course class like they have it now. Right. There was that that didn't exist. You just got out where now, like I, I, I stood in the reserves and even in the reserves, when you're looking at retiring or whatever, they had these transition class to help you transition from military life to, to civilian life. You know, so um, I applaud the military for, for, for establishing criteria of before you get out, you need to attend uh, a transition class and it's like a week long. I know it was when I got um, out of the reserves, but um, I mean, they didn't have that when I when when I got out of active duty. So I mean, definitely so, want to take advantage. So when you got out of the reserves, um, how were you mentally getting out? I know you 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 talked about having your plans and stuff like that together, but was there any anxiety about transitioning from the military just all the way out? Well, the the the, the main reason why I I chose to retire was because physically my body was just broken up you know, from my um, tour in Afghanistan. And uh, I couldn't do the things that I needed to do in, uh, while in the military, you know, the APFT, you know, my knees were shot. I couldn't run with my, with my soldiers. And I'm one of those believers that you leave from the front. And if I couldn't do that, then for me, it was time for me to hang it up. Okay. So with that being said you know your body did that so i'm trying to just figure out like how, how did you feel about that how did you feel about your body given like when you've been able to just push through it and do and and be because you're 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 pretty fit you know you're a fit guy yeah and to have your body kind of like betray you right it, it was disappointing you know I, it, it was frustrating you know because yeah. i i didn't i didn't have a set mind that said okay once i hit 20 you know i'm gonna be done I just was going. I enjoyed, you know, being with the soldiers one weekend out of the month. Although it didn't feel like I was freaking a weekend soldier. I, I felt like I was more active duty in the reserves than I was freaking active duty um, with all the orders I was on. But, uh, I, you know, I, I knew that I was going to miss being around the soldiers. Uh, I knew I was going to miss... Uh, going on orders on these short operations and stuff like that because it, it, it made life different it made life interesting you know um like i said I, i'm so used to change you know in the military you got to be used to change you know one day you're you're doing a weekend thing the next minute you're on orders for three months going somewhere you know so i was used to change and i was comfortable with it so i knew that when i retired you know i wasn't going to have that that change so much, you know, it was going to be pretty much work at home, 
and you know whatever social life I had. So uh, I, I was gonna miss I, I was gonna miss that aspect of going on orders and going gotcha. on orders with the soldiers and all that stuff. So. So after committing, you know, 20 plus years to, to the Navy and, and the Army Reserves, I mean, mentally, uh, you know, once it was done, the retirement party settled, uh, how were you mentally uh, and how did you cope with that? Um, I think the, the, the first probably two or three months of not having to go to a drill weekend, uh, it felt good. It felt good that I wasn't going to have the pressure of doing an APFT um, because I, you know, the last APFT I, I did, I mean, it, I bombed it and only because, you know, I just couldn't run anymore. So I felt good. But at the same time, I, I, I found myself paying a visit to the unit <laughs> on drill weekend. <laughs> I found I myself going there just to say hi, you know, Absolutely. and, you know, I get there. Everybody's doing what they're doing, so nobody really got time for me. And I and I, I realized, damn, you know, um, I'm out. You know, and this <laughs> right, is a, right, right. this is a, yeah. a, a, a chapter in my life that I have to put behind me. Right. And it's okay to come visit, but at the same time, they're moving forward. Now I need to move forward with something else and, and, and put mm -hmm. that chapter behind me. And that's what I that's what I ended up doing. Yeah, I think almost I it's almost like you lose that sense of connection. Like the three of us, we're all pretty close and we, and we were really close uh, when we were all in the same unit. But once you get out and you transition, it's just that connection is just kind of lost. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you end up finding new avenues. You know, when I was in the reserves, I didn't have the flexibility to do the things that I do now. You know, cause I was always going on orders, you know, drill weekend. Where now, you know, after I left, I didn't have any interruptions as far as, oh, I can't do something this weekend because I got drill coming up or mm -hmm. I'm going to be on orders. So it was welcoming, but at the same time, you know, it, it was something that I was so used to for such a long period of time that, you know, I had to find a filler for that, that space that I had. All right, good, good segue. Good segue. Mm -hmm. So now the career is done. You've retired from the military, and now what? Uh, what did you pursue? Or what, so, so now you still. I mean, I know you're getting a retirement check and everything, and it's it's good, but you still have to fill that time, and you still need to make more money, right? So, what was the yeah. first uh, pursuit, or what was the first thing that you pursued as far as a as a career change? Well, I still work for the Department of the Navy. Okay, I still work for them. I could I could put in my retirement papers anytime. Okay. But I, I still work for them. I can't complain about the work I do um, for them. It's pretty easy. So you, you still hang, work. Uh, you still work for them right now. Yeah, I still work for them right oh, now. Okay, um, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so I, I mean, I don't work on a base anymore. I work downtown at the main building, so mm -hmm. it don't feel like it's military. <laughs> right, right. So, like the fucking corporate building and shit. <laughs> but, uh, and now I'm working from home, so it really don't feel like military. <laughs> right, right, right. But, um, right. but uh, where was I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> what you were talking about, um, well, I asked you about what pursuit did you do once you oh, finished okay. with the military. So you still working for NCIS? CID. CID. You still work for CID. Yeah, so what uh, other what other things did you do? I know you, you went into... I, I, I started a photography business. <laughs> I still do it, but it's more on a personal level. I'm very picky on the clientele that I, I, um, I take. And because I, I don't need to take every everything. Um, right. I'm, in a, I'm in a financial play, uh, place in my life where I don't have to hustle. Right. So... If I enjoy, I do what I enjoy, I enjoy doing. I don't. I know folks there. They're they're like freaking pinching the pinching the dollar when it comes to the photography business in California. Because in in California, there's a photographer in like in every freaking street corner. Trust me. I mean, I anybody with a camera's a photographer. <laughs> hey, so, I'm a photographer. <laughs> Eric's a photographer. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, but but there's legitimate photographers, and then there's those other ones that. They, <laughs> They buy themselves one of those cameras with, with a flash, pop-up right, flash and right. stuff, and then they call themselves photographers. Mm. And then those folks, 
are making it harder for the true professionals because Absolutely. they're charging pennies. You know, I don't know how many times I get a phone call for a wedding and I go, okay, this is how much I charge. And I go, well, the other photographer was going to charge me this. And I told them, well, then you should go with that photographer because I'm not going to lower, I'm not going to lower my, my uh, how much I charge. I, I know, I, I know the, the value of my work, but right. out here, you know, there's 50 million photographers. So you're competing with that, you're competing with those that are lessening the, the, the dollar amount on, on, a, on a project and you know clients they don't know no better they see if it's a, a photograph or oh, that looks great and to us we'll look at it and we'll go that's okay right but a, a client don't know no better right all they because know is that they're looking they're looking at the emotion in the picture they're looking at the smile they're looking at you know those things and remembering back Right, and they're We're, looking at the dollar sign that they're paying. And they're looking at the dollar sign, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and you know what? And, and I don't fault them because before Absolutely. I did photography work, I was the same way. I was like, "Well, man, this person is only charging this much." Not really looking at the quality of work. Right. So I totally mm -hmm. get it. I totally get it. And, and I don't, I don't fault clients, but I do tell them, "Hey, you know what? If this photographer is going to charge you this much, then you should go with that photographer." Did you do any kind of uh, any kind of training to be a photographer, or was it self taught? How did you how did you reinvest in yourself for that? Well, I did go to a photography course when I was uh, uh, when I first started out with a CID, the crime scene photography class. So uh, and it, it it taught you everything about lighting, f stop, shutter speed, lenses, you know, you know, um, and all that good stuff. So and and I was part of a crime scene. Um, team where my job was mostly photography so i did it i did it for a while like that and then i decided you know what i'm gonna uh, get more involved in the photography business outside of you know dead bodies and blood splatters and shit like that <laughs> right <laughs> so, so you're a creative guy frank so tell us about your next venture that that you just launched in uh i'm looking at your social media you're blowing it up Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so um, I think uh, probably back in November, uh, uh, I decided that I love to cook. I'm the cook in my house, and I've always been that way. But uh, I started to get creative, you know, with the cooking, just uh, because it was fun, and with, and with the whole the whole COVID situation. And restaurants closing down and stuff like that. Um, I decided. I said, "Well, you know what? You know, maybe I should start up a pop-up restaurant." And that's actually pretty popular here in San Diego and in California. Uh, it, it was really popular in 2019, and then of course COVID happened. And um, it's a popular thing with without it having so much um, popularity, but it is very mm -hmm. popular. And uh, so I said, "You know what?" And, and I, I, I did do some private parties, you know, cooking for people. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you know what? This is a low cost. It's not going to break my bank. And it's something I'm going to enjoy. And if it's successful, good. If it's not, okay. You know, but it's not something that that uh, was, was going to hurt me either yeah. way. If anything, it was going to benefit me. So I started, uh, I started looking into it and, uh, came up with a name, you know, it's called Tainos, uh, which is uh, a, a word from Puerto Rico. Tainos was the indigenous tribe that lived in the island of Puerto Rico, Jamaica, Haiti, Cuba, um, prior to Christopher Columbus coming in. So, you know, you originally had the Tainos and then, you know, with the Africans being on the island and then the Europeans in a mix and then you have puerto rico and in puerto rico you go to a certain part of the island they look like you lee blacker than black you know <laughs> you go to another section of the island they got blonde hair blue eyes green eyes mm -hmm. they're, they're whiter than you eric and then you got people that look like me beautiful <laughs> you know um, <laughs> <laughs> you know so I came up with the name Tainos because I wanted to pay homage to the indigenous tribe of Puerto Rico. Right. And the, the 
the uh, pop-up is focused on fine dining Puerto Rican cuisine. I wanted to elevate the dishes, but not to the point where it was going to lose its identity. So, mm. you know, you, you know, if you see my if you see my images on Instagram, they're, they're fancy and whatnot. But at the same time, you know, if a Puerto Rican person sees that dish, they know what it is. So I didn't want to lose the identity of, of the dish, but I also wanted to elevate it a little bit more to make it more desirable to the eye. So I, I, I wanted to please the palate, but I also wanted to please your eyes. Dude, you know, that brisket. I want you to look at me like, damn, that should look good. Now I want to <laughs> eat it. <laughs> that brisket you made looked incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and we all for catering. First of all, our first pop-up event is on March 27th of uh, next month. I just got done with the website, so we'll be blowing the website on social media. You'll be able to go on the website and make a reservation. And because of COVID, it'll be you know no more than 10 at a time. And we're looking at doing it one Saturday out of the month for now to see how it works. And if it gets popular, we might add another, another weekend to it. But we also are available for private events, anniversaries. If you have a dinner party you're gonna have, we'll come to your house. We will bring everything. And oh, wow. we will cook in your kitchen. We will bring the place. If you want the whole Taino theme, we will we will bring Taino restaurant <laughs> to your house and give you that Puerto Rican vibe. And we do barbecue yeah, catering. That's cool. So Eric, we're gonna have to, one of these, you said on Saturdays, and it's going to be in yeah. El Cajon? No, uh, the, the, uh, the one in Mar on March 27th will be in Chula Vista. I mean, Chula uh, Vista. I don't know why I said yeah. El Cajon. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll have to check it out. But, yeah. So let, yeah. let's roll this back a little bit. There you uh, go. Who, who inspired your your chef abilities and in, in the cooking? Was it somebody in the family? or My mother. Who? My mother always said, learn how to cook. So no woman has to cook for you. That's good advice. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> you know, she, 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 she takes full credit, but obviously, you know, YouTube is the, is, 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 is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can learn everything on YouTube. So right. the plating and, and the elevating the, 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 the taste and all that stuff, you know, you, you go on YouTube, you can watch all these tutorials, all these amazing people who provide you with chips and stuff like that. Same thing with the photography. I mean, YouTube provided all kinds of information and, and tips on, on photography and stuff like that. So I, I, I used YouTube also for, for, for cooking, you know, and getting inspiration yeah. and ideas and stuff like that. And it's, 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 I call it YouTube University. So I even learned how to do a tracheotomy. Oh, Lord. Not that I ever did oh, one. Oh, it's I, mean. good to, I guess that's good to know, right? Right. So is there... <laughs> you never know. <laughs> is there is there a meal that your mom made for you that was your that was your favorite that's kind of your go-to that you've been able to enhance with fine dining? Well, it's not my go-to. However, it is on my menu and I call it the poor man's dish. And basically growing up, you know, we were poor. We didn't have a lot of money. So having meat once a week was like a big thing for us. So most of the time we ate white rice, red beans, and a fried egg. And that, that was what we ate. And it's really good. It's just very simple. Mm -hmm. So I have that on my menu and I call it the poor man's dish. And I pretty much elevated it a little bit, but still kept the, uh, the identity of the dish. And, and, and as simple as that is, it's a, it's a very tasty dish. You know, it's, it's red beans, white rice. And what I do is... Um, I do a poached egg to go on top, and it, and, and it has a piece of ham that goes with it. Well, we used to use Spam back in back 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 then. I don't yeah. know if you guys ever had Spam. A little can, open that shit up, slice it up and shit. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> well, well I, I decided to just, you know, uh, replace the Spam with the ham, you know? <laughs> right, right. But, um, it's a good dish. So you talked about uh, way back in New Orleans where you had to set the tables and you were a glorified waiter, waiter, right? So in that experience, I mean, did, did any of that have any thought like watching? I don't know if you watched the chef or you just waited for the food to come out. Uh, did any of that 
impact you in any way? Did it resurface any of the stuff that you learned? It impacted me to the point where I didn't want to be a waiter. (laughs) 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 I'd rather be the one doing the cooking. Give me some more water. Give me some more of this. My spoon's dirty. You know? That's awesome. So <laughs> I always told myself, you know, so at my home and throughout my adult adult life, I was always the cook and I love to cook. So I I don't do the dishes. I cook, but I don't clean because it reminds me too much of that time. <laughs> so either I'm a clean or I'm a cook. I chose to cook. As long as I've known you, you've you've had that entrepreneur heart. What was what was most challenging in getting that started? I think the the most challenging part was to come up with the with the gimmick, like you know what was I going to represent, mm-hmm. how was it going to represent it, and how I was going to do it without offending Puerto Ricans. Okay, you know because Puerto Ricans are proud folks, and you know if you say something is if you say this is arroz con gandule, which is which is our signature rice. Yeah. It better be Arokan Gandule. It better you, you, you better not call it Arokan Gandule and it looks like something else. Cool. So it was one of those things where where I wanted to elevate the dishes, but I needed to be careful because I didn't I didn't want to do it to the point where where it's unrecognized. Like, you know, I, I watch these chef shows, you know, and, and they'll say this is something and it don't look like it. Well, Master Chef. They had one episode where there was a Puerto Rican who made it to the final two. And one of her dishes was going to be um, papa rellena, which is stuffed potatoes. Mm -hmm. But the way she did it, if you looked at it, like Puerto Ricans, you look at it like, that's not what, that's not that. You know, but, you know, she was elevating it. But I don't, I didn't want to elevate it to the point where it was not, recognizable as what the dish it is. If it says mm-hmm. that, then there better be some identity to that. Yeah. So you're wanting to elevate the cuisine, uh, but keep it authentic to the Puerto Rican people and to yeah, the culture, you know, I, right? I, I didn't want to people to talk because Puerto Ricans, they, they, don't, they ain't shy. They'll be quick to tell me, hey, that's not freaking Arroca Gandule. You know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they have no problem with telling you, right. you know, we're calling you out, you know, it might taste it, but it don't look it. So, you know, I, 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 I wanted to be careful with, um, with how I was going to present these dishes. And then there's certain dishes on, on, on my on Instagram that aren't Puerto Rican dishes. However, they're made with Puerto Rican ingredients, you know, okay. and I always tell people like, I, I follow this one page and there's, there's people that they'll go, I know this is not Puerto Rican, a Puerto Rican dish, but I just wanted to post it. And I always say, well, you know what? If you made it with the Puerto Rican ingredients, it's a Puerto Rican dish. You know, it is what it is. It's all good. It's not wrong with, with, with reinventing something, you know, but if you're using sazon and sofrito and adobo, then that's, that's, a, that's a, a new Puerto Rican dish. <laughs> <laughs> a new one yeah yes it's a new dish oh, no, you know it's good. a new puerto rican dish you know so like i did a lobster risotto about a week ago or something like that i think i posted it and uh that was a traditional lobster risotto okay no no puerto rican dish no, no puerto rican season or anything like that so this weekend i told my lady i said like, you know what I'm, I'm gonna make a risotto with Hispanic ingredients. And then I'm going to call it San Juan Risotto. (laughs) 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 Something new for the Puerto Rican people. There you go. Right. So with your entrepreneur ventures that that you've done, you know, with photography, with your pop-up restaurant, you know, what, um, what attributes from the military, you know, are you applying to your new ventures? The, 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 the conforming to change in the military, you, you always had to be ready for change, whether it be a deployment, work wasn't always the same, especially in the Navy. When you were on them ships, there was always something different. 
whether whether the location, whether you were doing an underway replenishment operation, and even Afghanistan. I mean, one day you're doing route patrols, the next day you're doing an ECP watch. So mm -hmm. the military and, and the conforming to change is what has helped me outside of the military. You know, I'm a firm believer and, and you know, the, the military attributes goes well with entrepreneurship because you're always reinventing yourself. And I always tell people, mm -hmm. there ain't nothing wrong with reinventing yourself. You know, if if you want to do something and you got a passion for it, then go for it. I mean, nothing. Well, nobody says you got to be one thing. I mean, you want to be a photographer, or a restaurant owner, a hairdresser, a masseuse, a freaking painter, a freaking you know, a, a drag queen at night. You can do all that at the same time. <laughs> I mean, there's 24 hours in a day, right? All you need is about four hours sleep. I always tell people, if you got time to take a shit, you got time to smoke a cigarette, have a drink, then you got time to chase your passion. That's right. Hey, that's it. <laughs> it takes hard work, some a little bit of perseverance, but... Uh, but the military has showed me that. The military showed me that, you know, you can do all kinds of things at the same time. You, you don't have to limit yourself to one thing. I mean, in the military, we're, we're fighters, we're leaders, we're followers, we're, we're, we're um, planners, you know, we're, we're freaking um, saviors. <laughs> we're all that at the same fucking time. So why can't you apply that when you're out? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I always put that all that there are a lot of soft skills and, and a lot of hard skills that you learn in the military. But the ones you were just speaking to soft skills and those things translate into damn near every career path that you could think of. Right now, you may need some specialty training beyond that. And, you know, once you get out, there are a lot of opportunities to to get training in the military to help you pay for that or VA or whoever, however you go about doing it in other agencies. But those soft skills, like, don't sell yourself short on what no. you have to offer, right? I mean, if you look at people like Dwayne Johnson, yeah, he does five million things yeah. and has a family. Yeah, Come on. Right. I mean, if, 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 if that big-ass fucking Simone could do it, I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Frank, looking back at, at what you went through, <laughs> damn, I can't stop laughing. <laughs> uh, what you went through during your retirement, like in hindsight, you know, is there something that you would do differently or uh, any other way that you would have prepared yourself? I'm a firm believer that I don't regret any decision that I make. I believe that things happen for a reason. I believe that, that there's a path outline and you decide how you get to that, that end of the road. So, you know, I, no, you know, I, I think everything that I've done in my life has led me to where I'm at today. The amazing family I have, the opportunities that I have. I think the decisions prior has led me to here. So I, I wouldn't want to change anything because it might not be as great if if, if mm -hmm. I had the ability to change something. Can't, can't, can't even follow up on that one. That's amazing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but but if 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 say someone's out here and they they want to do a uh, pop up restaurant in probably San Diego area or any of those, but anyone who's trying to, to trying to do that, what what is one bit of advice that you'd like to uh, to give to them? Uh, research. I would say make contact with someone who's doing it already. Okay. And and and, and get that take on it. YouTube, you can you can type up how to start a pop-up restaurant on YouTube and all kinds of tutorials come up, you know, and just patience, have a plan. Obviously, that that's the, the number one thing. Have a plan, have it written down and 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 and, and tackle it one step at a time. And don't give up. Don't, don't sell yourself short. Things don't happen overnight. You know, right. things don't happen overnight. I mean, I'm gonna start. I'll start this and it might suck for the next fucking six months, but then it might blow up and then it might not, but yeah. that's not my focus right now. My focus is today and my focus is tomorrow and maybe uh, Thursday, you know? Um, but <laughs> oh, I, I tell people, you know, uh, uh, attack your passion and, and attack it one day at a time. Don't think about a, a week from now. Don't think about, Oh, I, 
I want to be at this level in six months. Just think about being at the next level tomorrow and go from there. Right, right. That's great advice. I think the the big thing, Frank, uh, in, with any entrepreneur, especially a pop-up, and we said this during our first episode, was is networking, right? Networking, getting in front of people, shaking their hands, letting them know that you exist. How are you doing that during COVID? Social media. I mean, I, I, with, with the way things are today, I mean, obviously, you have to rely on family and friends to to help promote you, you know, and, you know, Instagram, Twitter, I'm still, you know, messing around with Twitter, but Instagram, Facebook, if you got 5,000 followers on Facebook and their family and friends, that's 5,000 people that can share a post that you put on Facebook about your, your business. And you say, hey, family, friends, share my post. That's 5,000, that's free advertisement. <laughs> you know, so I, 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 will, I will say that the, the, the best way today with COVID and all that is, is social media. And of course, you know, pamphlets and stuff like that. But you can't go wrong with, with Instagram and, and Facebook and, and whatever other social media site there is out there. You know, for, the, for instance, this right here this platform right here. You got to take advantage of, of, of every avenue that has an open door. I mean, Absolutely. if the door is open, then walk in Absolutely. and take advantage. Right. You know, you, you know, you, you got to do that. You can't just say, well, I'm just going to focus on this. I'm going to focus on that. I'm not sure how people are going to receive this. I'm, uh, you know, I don't know if I want to ask my friends. Well, you know what? That's part of being an entrepreneur. Your family and your friends are your your advertisement. And photography, all my photography work was from personal referrals. Right. I rarely advertised. Mm-hmm. It was referrals. It's the same concept, you know. You know, you got to utilize the tools that, that that are that are in your face and not be shy about it. Right, man. You got me. I'm, I'm sitting here writing all this stuff down. Uh, taking, some, <laughs> taking some notes and I, and I, I, I do appreciate, I, I just want to say um, thank you. Cause as soon as I reached out to you, you gave an astounding hell yeah. You know what I mean? To, yeah. to come on the show. <laughs> so we definitely appreciate that. We, we're reaching out to friends and, and, and family as well. Uh, family from the military um, and just people who have successfully, you know, left the military and are doing uh, bigger and better things. And, you know, appreciate or me and Eric, we appreciate you sharing, you know, some of your journey and, and giving inspiration because I know when I got, when I got out, it was a little, um, it was a little, it was a lot mentally for me. Right. I, I wasn't thinking entrepreneurial, even though me and Eric, we did start the photography business, but I still was looking for another job to kind of, um, go along with retirement. Pay. Right. You get what I'm saying? Oh Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it, it was a little uh, stressful at the time, right, but, right. but um, so Frank, I, I didn't mean to end this on a somber note, but, <laughs> but, Frank, <laughs> right. but Frank, man, so go ahead and, and tell us, like you said, you created a website. Uh, where can everybody find uh, your website at on the net? My website is www.tainosrestaurant, T-A-I-N-O-S. R E S T A U R A N T dot com. <laughs> and, uh, and then my Instagram is the same thing minus the A after the T. Yeah. And then I saw where we could uh, vote for our favorite chef. Oh, yeah. I, I oh, yeah. That's right. That. That's right. I totally forgot about that. So I um, entered into a competition uh, for favorite chef with Bon Appetit magazine. And basically, the winner receives $50,000 and a two-page spread on Bon Appetit. I am currently in sixth place. Voting ends next Thursday, and the top 15 move on, and I'm in sixth place. So, I mean, and you can vote every day. You get to vote one time every day and and vote, 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 vote. So... (laughs) If, if you can go to https colon forward slash flow slash 
F-A-V-C-H-E-F.com forward slash 2021 forward slash Frank dash Rios. You click on, you go, go to that link and you'll be able to vote for me. You'll be able to see the images uh, that I've posted and uh, help me win $50,000. We'll put all of those in the in the uh, in the show notes as well. Dang, uh, we so. get lunch. We don't even get a private chef session. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Frank. But you know, today has been been an honor. I know that uh, we haven't you know been able to touch a base in in a while now, especially with the pandemic going on. But yeah. we're happy to share your story. Thanks for for sharing with our listeners, and and really getting out there showing that hard work and perseverance pays off, especially, you know, being an entrepreneur and having that backbone CID. So thanks. Thanks again for joining us. Hey, I, I, I appreciate being on the, on the show. I'm glad you guys had me, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll hook up soon. Uh, uh, come to my pop-up event. You know, you guys will be my guests and I'll feed you. That's, that's see that's what yeah, I want we'll to hear. We'll definitely take you up on that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you guys the info, man. It'll be uh, March twenty seventh. That there's a a one o'clock a lunch, and then there's a five o'clock dinner um, uh, uh, that you can choose from and stuff. So okay, but uh, yeah, I would love to have you guys um, here. If you got an extra seat, let's give one out to one of our listeners. Oh, for sure. Too easy. All right, so now we'll put that in the show notes too, and and, and now we got a, a a contest that we can put out. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> Thank too you, easy. Frank. Too easy. <laughs> All right, bro. That's awesome. Hey, continue success. It was a good time catching up with you again, and we'll stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you.